This is the Stand with Lynette podcast. You have episode 31, Accessing the Power of Covenants with Andrea Ashford. What would your life be like if you knew you could stand firmly on the covenant path, come what may? My name is Lynette Shepard, and I am here to help you do just that. If you are a Latter-day Saint woman with a desire to brighten your faith as the world grows darker, you are in the right place. Together, let's stand. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Stand with Lynette podcast. I'm so happy that you're here, and I have been looking forward to this episode for a long time because we are starting something new here at the Stand with Lynette podcast, and I have started doing interviews with regular women, not experts, regular women who are trying to live their covenants, who are seeking to do the best they can as they walk the covenant path back to Jesus. And they are here to share their stories with you. And today is the first of those interviews with my friend, Andrea Ashford. She talks all about her story and what it has taught her about keeping her covenants and accessing the power of covenants and the grace of God in our everyday lives. It is so insightful, and I cannot wait for you to meet her and to hear her story. So without further ado, let's get to it. All right, my friends, welcome to Stand with Lynette, and I'm so excited to have Andrea Ashford with me today. And I am so excited to hear about Andrea's story, about her testimony, about her journey through life and how the Savior has shown up for her and how that has helped her to stand firm in her covenants. And I'm so glad you're here. Welcome, Andrea. Thank you. I'm getting emotional just thinking about my story (laughs) with the introduction. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) Well, I'm so happy you're here and let those emotions go. We're all for it here. So (laughs) (laughs) all right. All right. So just to get started, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your family? Sure. So my name is Andrea Ashford. I grew up in Oro Valley, Arizona. I currently live in Roy, Utah. I have a husband and two sons. James and Caleb are five and two. I am a predominantly stay-at-home mom. I have this little side job that I do, and I homeschool my kids, so that keeps me really busy, but I love it, and let's see. I can't think of anything else. (laughs) That's perfect. That's perfect. So I didn't realize you were an Arizona girl. (laughs) Yes. I love it. Love the mountains. Love the sun. (laughs) How do you do in Utah with the cold? (laughs) I've learned to love it. So I... I moved from Arizona when I was 18 and I spent some time in Texas and then I lived, I served my mission in Utah, lived in Idaho, and now I'm back in Utah. So um, I've grown to absolutely love all the seasons and embrace the snow. That's good. That's good. I also grew up in Arizona and we spent six years in the Midwest after being in Utah for five years. And I was like done with the colds. I'm like, I need sunshine in my life. I'm solar powered. (laughs) (laughs) But having said that, especially this time of year, it's fall and we don't really see fall and I miss it so much. So Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I totally appreciate the seasons. I wish we saw them more, but yeah. All right. So can you tell us a little bit about your family of origin, your parents, your siblings? What was it like to grow up as you? Great. Yeah. So I am the youngest of four. I have two older brothers and older sister. My parents 
uh, met when they were my young single adults. My dad had recently returned from his mission. My mom was recently baptized and um, they were married, sealed in the temple. And so I was born into the covenant. The gospel was always preached in my home. I remember family nights, learning the gospel and just feeling so much warmth and comfort and love. And the way that I normally feel the spirit is through like a burning in my bosom. And so I remember just the earliest memories, reading the Book of Mormon and gathering around to teach the gospel and share the gospel together. Um, those were really great memories. When I was seven years old, my parents got divorced. And um, my mom, because of the nature of the divorce, the ward got involved and it got really yucky. And my mom no longer felt comfortable and welcomed and um, like she belonged at church anymore. And so we, uh, us kids, we spent one week with my dad, one week with my mom. So every other week we would switch off. And for a while after the divorce, my mom would go to church with us, um, but it just became way too hostile of an environment for her. And so she stopped coming and um, eventually just kind of left the church altogether. My dad got remarried when I was eight. And so I gained four siblings and a stepmom. And that transition was extremely difficult and still has its challenges. And then my mom got remarried when I was 16 and I gained two stepbrothers and a stepdad. Uh, so my family is very big and complicated and messy. Yeah. So you mentioned in your application that you felt like you needed to choose between the savior and your mom. And that must have been really hard as a young child. What was that like for you? Yes, yeah, so I have a very, very close, unique bond with my mom. We're very similar people, and I've always felt especially close to her. And my personality, I'm very loyal, and I always want to serve the people that I'm in relationships with and make sure that they're comfortable and loved and feel safe and secure. And so I felt a very, very strong attachment and relationship with my mom. And it was extremely painful and scary and traumatizing to feel like I had this black and white choice to make because they, re they got divorced when I was seven. So it was that year that I was making the choice to be baptized and the decision to be baptized in and of itself was so easy to me. I, like I said, from a young age, I always felt the Holy Ghost confirm to me the truthfulness of the gospel and the reality of Jesus Christ as my savior. And so choosing him was easy, but I also knew with that choice that I was kind of drawing a line in the sand. And I knew that my relationship with my mom was never going to be the same. And I felt as though I was abandoning her. And so it was something that I took extremely seriously. And I was wise behind, beyond my years at that age. And I just, I really understood the implications and the gravity of my decision and the responsibility that I was undertaking. But, um, but again, 
I loved the Savior so much that I wanted to follow him. And I knew that this is what he wanted me to do. And I knew that following him would would bring me and my family. And I even had the hope, you know, my mom would come back someday. And so I knew I had to make that decision. And yeah, so it was very, very painful and a huge turning point in my life. And because I took it so seriously and it meant so much to me, it then influenced the rest of my life. And I, I felt very committed to my covenant of baptism and it influenced most, not all, but most of my decisions in my life from that point forward. Wow. Yeah. Even just hearing you talk about that, I'm like, that's a lot for a seven-year-old to process. And the fact that you understood at that young age, the implications of your choice and you took it so seriously. And yeah, I mean, I don't think that many of us can say that a decision that we made at seven years old affected the rest of our life. <laughs> I mean, the yeah. decision to be baptized for sure. But I think for a lot of us who grew up in the church, that's just sort of just you just do it you know it's it's, it's not something you, you yeah. really have to have to think about and ponder so the fact that you you went through that so early in your life and were so committed how did that shape your relationship with your mom and with the savior from that point forward oh so my relationship with my mom since that point has been strained and um, we've gone through periods where I'm a very fiery, I can be very fiery and passionate and overzealous and go over the line to like offending people that I love because I want them to follow the Savior. So I've offended my mom sometimes. We went through a period where we didn't talk and that was so difficult. Um, there were there was also this like weird expectation from both my mom and my dad and stepmom that if any of the kids chose to leave the church, it would be me. If any of the kids were, would be the ones to go to like a non-denominational church with my mom that, that openly preached anti-Mormon stuff, it would be me. So I had this like, and I don't know why, I think it's because I'm really open-minded, but I don't know why everyone held this belief that if any one of the children would leave, it would be me. But that almost made me even more committed and more defiant against that. Um, so yes, so to answer your question, my relationship with my mom has been strained. It, we're in a good place now. Um but it, it's, it definitely, I went through a period of time, especially during my teens, when I would just cry and cry and cry because I wanted to go back to the same attachment and comfort and security that we shared before I got baptized that I knew I couldn't get there because I could not relate to my mom in a spiritual aspect. And my spirituality has always been like my number one priority and my focus. And so to have that huge part of me, uh, like I couldn't relate to my mom in a way that was so huge and important to me was very hard. But on the other hand, with the Savior, 
it strengthened my connection with him so much and he gave me so much comfort and peace and strength and reassurance I felt like I was a very sensitive and in tune child and more so than my peers not that I want to compare per se but I just noticed like I felt different I felt like I experienced things differently and I had a relationship with the savior that no one else my age could relate to or understand I I could definitely see that and he was very he was he became my constant and I think this has been kind of the theme of my life where like I said I had a blended family going on situation going on with my dad and I had my mom who was who had left the church and wasn't living this, the gospel commands at all. And so I had a lot of turmoil in my life, a lot of change, a lot of uncertainty. I didn't feel like I had anyone in my life who I could rely on. I consistently, every single year of like elementary, middle school, I would create really close friendships. And then that friendship, that friend would either move or they would like betray me I just I had so much uncertainty and betrayal and change in my life and Jesus Christ was my only constant and I just leaned into him and relied on him relentlessly because he was the only thing that only person I could count on and he really was my rock I one of my favorite scriptures is heal him in 512 because I have always held this visual in my mind of Jesus Christ being my rock for me to stand on. And at times when things are really difficult, I visualize myself kind of curling around him and the fiery darts are pelleting me on my back and on my head, but I'm just, I'm safe and secure in the arms of Jesus. And at other times he lifts me up so I can rise and stand again and the darts are still coming, but I, I'm, I receive my strength through him. So, um, so yeah, I'm grateful for the opposition that I've had in my life because it's forced me to rely on him and be really, really close to him to gain that strength and comfort and resiliency. Yeah. Okay. That's such a, such an inspiring story. First of all, like I can just tell by listening to you that you're just, that you do have this one-on-one relationship with the savior. I mean, just like, you're just like glowing your whole eyes and your face are just like <laughs> shining with the gospel light of Jesus Christ. And so the fact that, um, that you learned that so young, you know, like what, how did you know that Jesus Christ was there for you? I mean, some people kind of struggle to recognize the spirit or feel the spirit. And, and it sounds like that you felt from a very young age, this really strong bond with the savior. How did you know that's what it was? Like, what did that feel like for you in those, in those formative years? I remember distinctly being a very young age, probably a sunbeam because I was in the front row in primary and the music chorister at the time, it seemed like to me every Sunday would make all this emphasis on you need to gain a testimony. You need to understand that the gospel's true. You, and I was just like, 
what is she talking about? I'm like, every time I'm in church, like I feel this burning in my heart that, and I just know, I know that this is true. So what do you mean I have to work for it? What do you mean I have to question? What do you mean I have to gain something? It's just here. Like it was just given to me. So it was just, I think it was just a spiritual gift that I was given to just have a knowing and have a faith. And I just always knew that it was true. However, with that said, one defining moment in my life was when my parents had gotten divorced. I don't know exactly the timeline. It must have been one of the first weeks where we were living just with my dad in my dad's new house because there was no furniture in the house. And there was just this one dining room table. And I remember my dad was talking on the phone with his parents and he was crying and I was crying. I just, my heart was so broken. I felt like my whole world had been shattered. Like the breath had been taken out of me. The life had been sucked out of me. And the foundation under my feet was just like taken from me. And I felt so incredibly alone and scared. And I went under that dining room table and I just kneeled down and I prayed. And I don't remember the words that I said, but I distinctly remember feeling Jesus Christ come and wrap his arms around me. I was just flooded with so much comfort and this assurance that Christ knew me and that he was with me under that table and comforting me and reassuring me that I wasn't alone and that everything was going to be okay and that he loved me and he could be that security and that that um, solid foundation again like I've shared before that I needed and um so yeah, so that's how I knew that it was Jesus Christ. Yeah. So what has your, how has your story, your relationship with Christ evolved as you've come into adulthood? Oh, that's a great question. So my relationship with Christ, especially during my teenage years, was really strained because I went through a rebellious phase and I wanted to show the world that I could be just like them while still being a light. And I learned that that was not true Interesting. <laughs> because the world ended up influencing me more than I was influencing the world. And I did more damage to the image of Christ in my mind than, than good. So my relationship with him was strained, but what I learned through that was that he even though I was distancing myself from him through sin, he never left. He was always there and he was waiting for me to come back to him. And I had to learn through repentance that coming unto Christ and enjoying a covenantal relationship with him sometimes has less to do with our part of the, the deal, the the covenant and more to do with his side of things because I think the way I was raised and the way I viewed the gospel as a child and as a teenager was I had to be perfect you know I had to earn 
Christ's grace. I had to earn his love and earn his forgiveness. But that wasn't the case. Because I had entered into a covenantal relationship with him, he was tied to me. He was, I had become like his his bride, you know. I had become his, his love with capital L. And so he wasn't going to abandon me and he wasn't going to let me completely ruin myself in my life. <laughs> if that makes sense. Like, <laughs> even though I was doing everything I possibly could to destroy my salvation, like it was already fixed and he could still save me. He could t- still bring me back and restore me and redeem me. Um, so I had to learn that lesson during my teenage years and on my mission i struggled with this idea of perfectionism so bad that i spiraled into an extremely scary phase of depression and it was so bad that i there was a point where i couldn't get out of bed and i was so angry at myself because I wanted to be just a powerhouse missionary. I wanted to proclaim the gospel with power and might and and with, you know, the voice of angels like Alma described. And I was just broken and full of darkness. And I couldn't, I was so numb. I couldn't feel the spirit. I couldn't feel love. I couldn't feel peace or joy or any of the fruits of the spirit. And I would tell Heavenly Father, like, send me home please let me go home. I need to go home so I can fix myself and get healthy and and then I'll come back on my mission and then I'll just hit the ground running and I'll be an amazing missionary. And he kept telling me no. He said, no, this is your cross to bear. And you're still an instrument in my hands and I'm still going to work through you. And I hated that. I was so angry. But What I also learned through that was that Christ's grace enabled me to be a vessel for him, regardless of how broken and weak I was. And the point of me being a missionary was not only for me to convert others or help others be converted, but it was for Christ to convert me further. And it was for me to learn who Christ was and learn how to rely on him and trust him and allow myself to be broken and weak and pathetic. Like, honestly, just I felt pathetic and worthless. And he, allow him to still love me and allow him to still use me through that. Um, so... So yeah, so that was my mission period. And then now as, as I'm a mother, I'm learning how to, oh gosh, rely on him through motherhood. And that is a whole beast in and of itself. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Man, I, oh my goodness. It's, it's again, more of that, like, holy cow. Like I am the hardest part of, of motherhood for me is being so keenly aware of all my weaknesses and my inability and incapacity to be who I want to be. And again, Heavenly Father's like, that 
is the point. (laughs) You're supposed to be weak. You're supposed to not be able to do this. This is supposed to be more than you can handle because you need Christ and your children need to be touched by Christ through you. And that's the point. And I've learned that our cross that we bear, at least for me, it seems, is my weaknesses. And I have to be okay to with my tiny little offering that I can give him and trust and know that his grace is sufficient. So I'm learning that. And I'm also learning how to be a co-creator with God and not only just get through and survive life, but also to pursue my passions and my dreams and use my gifts to serve others and serve my children and create things by faith that wouldn't otherwise happen. So, um, so yeah, so my relationship has developed to be more of a partner with him instead of just, um, like a servant relationship, but more of like a friend and a partner and a companion. I love that so much. I think that a lot of women will be able to relate to a lot of what you expressed there in your journey of learning to to trust Christ and just really learning what grace means, you know, and it doesn't, we don't have to be perfect. That's never part of the plan, like you said. And I love how you expressed that, um, that you learned that that's kind of the point you know like it's the point that we aren't perfect because we need christ and he can work through us in all of our imperfections in the times in our lives where we felt the most broken and um not able to really show up in the way that we want that is when he can still like we can still shine light into the world even when we feel like we're drowning in darkness other people will still be able to see the light of christ through us and i think that that is so important to understand and it's hard to understand when you're in the middle of something hard where you feel like i can't do this and i am no good to the lord and i you know all the things that you express but learning to trust that he is serious when he says that he will bear our burdens you know and help us and be yoked to us so that he can help us to to navigate all of those tricky spots so yes Thank you for expressing that so beautifully. Um, You mentioned uh, in your application that one of the roadblocks you have encountered on your journey to Jesus is a misunderstanding of his character and of your relationship with him. You kind of expressed some of that in the story that you just told, but is there anything else that you would, would add to that particular aspect? The scriptures that keep coming to my mind are found in John chapter 15, verse 5. This is Christ speaking to his apostles. He says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. How that relates to my misunderstanding of the character of Christ, again, kind of goes back to what I said about like this idea of perfectionism and focusing too much on my own obedience, my own works. 
And instead focusing on, am I abiding in Christ? Is my heart focused on him? Is it drawn out to him? Am I relying on him and his strength? Or am I relying on my own strength? Am I relying on my own ways of doing things? Am I relying on my own understanding? Essentially, am I fo- am I relying on him or am I relying on myself? And he says, if you're not relying on me and abiding in me, then you can do nothing. And again, I learned this, this on my mission where I... I grew into the principle of charity because I, I think it was, is it, I think it's another verse in, it, it's something written by Paul. He talks about how, um, like, though you speak with the tongue of angels, but have not charity, you're as like tink- tinkling symbols and, and brass. And I read those verses and I was like, oh my gosh, that is me. I have all this faith. And I have all these, this conviction and, and zeal for the gospel. But if I don't have charity for those that I'm teaching, then I'm just annoying them. I'm irritating and I'm, I see come off as proud and obnoxious. And once I really focused on having charity for others, that's when Christ could really touch people's hearts and change their hearts through me. Um, and and that's just a personal weakness that I have is that I, sometimes I can focus too much on like the power and the might and the glory of God and less on like the grace and the mercy and the love and tenderness and compassion. And, um, so that's, that's something that I've had to change. Charity is something that doesn't always come naturally, at least to me. And it talks about in the scriptures, and I don't know the verse where to pray with all of the energy of your heart for charity, which is a pure love of Christ. And I think that we could all probably do a little better at that. Even the ones of us who are naturally charitable and naturally, you know, loving and giving, and that that is a spiritual gift for some people. I am not one of those people. I have to work at it a little more. You know, I think the natural man in us isn't necessarily always so charitable, but that's how we can, that's how the Lord can reach people through us. You know, I mean, they say they don't care, you know, people don't care what you say until they know that you care. (laughs) And so focusing on that, I think we get so much further. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so thank you for that. Okay. How do your covenants help you to stand firmly? So in the hymn, Come, Come Ye Saints, it says, Though hard to you this journey may appear, grace shall be as your day. And to me, my covenants give me access to Christ's power, which is his grace, every single day. And so without my covenants, I couldn't stand on the covenant path. I would not, me of myself, I am unkind and devilish and sensual and all those things that make us fallen individuals. And without Christ's power, I could not be transformed into a saint and I could not be transformed into a queen and a priestess and a goddess. And so I need that covenantal power every single day 
just to give me agency because without it, I would by default be following Satan. And so my covenants give me the power to keep my covenants, (laughs) which sounds (laughs) strange, but they really do. And um, I think that for me also, because like I said, because I've taken covenantal responsibility so seriously ever since I was eight, I feel an extreme loyalty and commitment to the savior that really is like this fire inside of me that just drives me forward and keeps me wanting to reach for more and search for more and just run to Christ and truly know him and consecrate my whole soul to him. I wish that more people understood that covenants are what give us access to God's power. I think that's the bottom line. And you express that beautifully. Like that's how we have the power. Like you said, the power to keep our covenants comes from our covenants. Like that's, (laughs) it's so (laughs) true. I've never thought of it in that way before, but I'm like, yeah, that sounds weird, but it's actually like, that's how it works. You know, we have access to God's power as we keep those covenants. And that is powerful. Now, let's see how many times we can say the word power in the, <laughs> the next 30 seconds. No, but that's what it's all about. Yeah. I feel like I, that's what I'm constantly praying for. Like, I just, I need God's power with me or else I'm in trouble because if I rely on myself alone, like we're in, we're in a hole, <laughs> you know? Yes, so. especially these days. President Nelson says we're in the winding up scenes and we're in the last part part of the ninth inning. And so we need Christ more than we ever have before. And something that has been coming to my mind a lot is the promise. And I, I call it a promise because my perspective on this verse changed. In the Doctrine and Covenants, we see this phrase repeated several times when Christ says, um, but my people will stand in holy places and be not moved. And for my whole life, I've always thought that that was like a commandment, like, oh, shoot, like, where's the holy place? And I need to stand in it. And I'm going to be screwed if I don't. (laughs) It was kind of like fueled by fear of the second coming. And just recently, it came into my mind as a promise that Oh, maybe he says the faithful, the faithful will stand in holy places. And I asked, what is a holy place? And it's anywhere that Christ is. And where is Christ? He's with his covenant people. So if you're keeping your covenants, he is with you and you will not be moved. You'll be able to withstand all the temptations and all the trials and all of the calamities that are coming and you'll be able to stand with the savior protected and safe and strong that is just that's powerful again let's talk about power that i've never (laughs) thought of it in that way before i've never thought of it in that way before and that it makes so much sense that a holy place is where christ is and christ can be with us wherever we are if we're keeping our covenants it's so simple but then also when you really kind of think about it and dive into that, it's not, it does require us to make choices that will allow Christ to be with us so that we can have 
you know, the, that power with us at all times. But I love that imagery. So thank you. You gave me a new way to think about it. That's amazing. Um, okay. We are going to wrap up here with one final question, which is what does standing with the Savior mean to you? Standing with the Savior means that I am loyal to him and committed to him, and I care more about him than myself. I deny myself and pick up my cross and I follow him. And President, or sorry, Elder Holland described what it means to carry our cross so eloquently and beautifully in this most recent general conference. And he talked about how carrying our cross may lead us into places that we feel alone, places that are um, painful, places that are difficult. And the purpose of that is to transform us to be more empathetic and more compassionate and more like the Savior and give us the strength again and power to, to stand and to not crumble under the weight of temptations and distractions and worldliness that we're faced. And so standing with the Savior means everything to me. It means that I daily am repenting and striving to overcome the world and striving to stand with him, even though that may mean that I am alone. But I know that he's with me and he's standing with me. Thank you. That was beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Andrea, for, for taking a few minutes of your time to chat thank with me. You. And I think there's a dog barking in the background. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I don't know what he's barking so, on. He's, he's guarding your house against someone, I guess. <laughs> I guess. But I have loved this conversation. And thank you for standing. Thank you for shining. Thank you for your goodness and light and for sharing your story with us today. I know it's going to help a lot of other women who are walking the covenant path. I hope so. Thank you so much. All right, my friends, isn't Andrea amazing? I hope you enjoyed her thoughts as much as I did. I especially loved what she had to say about the grace of Christ and accessing the grace of Christ and accessing his power in our lives as we more fully keep our covenants. I think that is so profound and so important. One of the biggest themes of General Conference for me was keeping our covenants, getting on the covenant path and staying there, be loyal to our covenants. And Andrea explained that so beautifully, how we can literally have Christ's power in our lives as we keep our covenants. So as you go throughout this week, I invite you to think about what that looks like for you. How can you more fully keep your covenants? How can doing that help you to access the power of God in your life on a fuller level to a bigger extent so that you can develop that close relationship with him that you long for and feel more strong and firm and grounded in your testimony? Let's work on that together, my friends, and together, let's stand. If you would like to follow Andrea, to connect with her online, she is on Instagram at Andrea Ashford with two Ds. So hop on over there, give her a follow, and I can't wait to see you back here again next week. Bye. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me today. 
If you are ready to dive in deeper and join the stand movement, find me on Instagram at Lynette Shepard. That's two N's, two P's, and an A-R-D, or at LynetteShepard.com. If you like what you heard today, please consider sharing the show with a friend or leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. That works wonders in helping us to find the people that we can help. Thank you again. And remember, you were born to stand. See you next time.